excited. Are you guys ready? Man, one thing I love about our church is we, we're, a, uh, we're a visiting church. We want to be a family. I really do mean what I say when I want to be a place where we can not only hear the Word of God, because the Word of God is, is pretty cool. It does something that we can't do on our own. It separates our flesh from our spirit. Now, God has put a new spirit in each of us, but the Word of God helps us to see what is God and what is flesh. And it's in that that we begin to live a successful life because we're following him, we're following his precepts. The creator knows how his creation is supposed to work, amen? And And I'm glad I get to be part of his creation. So, Father, we thank you that you have given us the owner's manual. God, we thank you that that you have instilled your wisdom through your Holy Spirit into your word, both written, living, active in our life. So today, we ask that you help us to open up to hear your wisdom, to hear your truth, and to truly submit to your word, O God. Lord, we don't want it to stop with us. We want to know your wisdom, not man's wisdom. And Lord, today that's our prayer. So we ask that you open our hearts to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So started what last week, a series called Words Like Honey. I was woken up a couple of months ago in a dream, and it was just God telling me how his word is so sweet. It's like it, it's satisfying to your soul. You know, there's a whole lot of hectic activity in life, right? Like, have any of you had a hectic week? I know we've had sick kids this week. I myself has, have been flush, uh, just frustrated with just being sick and uh, you know, under the weather, if you will. But I know God's healing is there for me, and I've seen healing come in. But it's still, it just kind of, it puts you in a place, and this is, I think, what the enemy tries to do. He tries to put you in a place where you're looking down, you're looking at yourself, you're looking at what's going on instead of looking to him. And what's so awesome is when we take a moment And this is why we do it repeatedly, weekly, a couple times a week. Not only meet here at church, but we meet in life groups, all these different things, because we want our focus not to be here. We want our focus to be there. You know, in the last couple of weeks, my family, we've moved. You know, you talk about it's kind of a chore to move eight people. Even if it's just 30 miles, it's a chore to move eight people. We still have boxes, and, and we've tried to take time aside to, to unpack, and we're still like, you, know, you walk through the trail. And uh, it's just real easy to be focused on what's physical instead of what's spiritual. I was here last night preparing and putting some, some study time in and some, some notes in for this morning. I just stood up here and started praying. And I mean, for an hour, just just stood up here and prayed, prayed over our church, prayed over our leaders, prayed over you. And something just happened. It's just like this joy just comes in. It's like because when the creator, excuse me, when the creation connects with the creator, there's life. Think about it. Without him, we don't have life. But it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. But when you get to connect with the creator who instills his love into you and there's just joy that comes in so a lot of our time we, we don't 
even know what we're supposed to be looking at, where, what our next step is. So the basis of this, this series is this, is Psalm 119, 103. And it says this, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I think that's what we want, right? Some qualifiers here. I know that I've read the end of the book and we win. Have you ever, you realize that? Like if you follow Jesus, we're going to be okay. But you know what? You don't know every step between now and the end. And sometimes if you're like me and you're a strategist, you're like, well, how do I get there? What's, I'm not so, so concerned about my next step. I'm concerned about 10 and 15 and five years. Like, what's it look like then? And then so often God just says, I'm glad you're looking there, but you need to look down at where I'm lighting your path right now. What's the thing right in front of you now? You know, the Holy Spirit is with us. And if we submit to it, He'll light our path for every day. One of the things I prayed last night was even this, Lord, give us supernatural connections with people. Do you know each one of you, you have this ring around you that just, you have a sphere of influence. And when you become healthy by following the word of God, it doesn't just affect you. It's almost like a virus. It's like it's an infection. Like you begin to be healthy and the people around your immediate sphere they start seeing something different. And that that wants to live is attracted by that that is living. Speaking of Pastor Seth, he shared that when we first launched here three years ago. That 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 wants to live attracts or is attracted by that that's living. So as we follow the word of God, as we follow his lamp to our feet, it begins to have an influence in our city and our families. I believe it was a, there was this monk one time that said when he was young, he just wanted to see the world changed. So he's like, Lord, just use me to change the world. And then after a, a time, he was disillusioned. He said, well, I don't guess I can change the world, but Lord, help me to change my country. And then not too long after that, He's disillusioned yet again, and he goes, well, Lord, help me to change my city. And you see where this is going. Well, Lord, help me to change my family. And then finally, in humility, he goes, Lord, change me. And he realizes in this humility that when the Lord changes me, my family changes. When my family changes, my city changes. When my city changes, my state changes. My nation changes. My world changes. It's not the, the wisdom of ourselves. It's the wisdom of God in us that comes out and creates that supernatural change. There's the natural, right? But then there's the supernatural. And you're connected to that. If you're not connected to the Holy Spirit, you are living a half-hearted life. Because He wants to... to mold you to shape you into the image of Christ. If one man, if Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, can cause this tidal wave over 2,000 years, just think about what happens when you and I begin to be transformed into the image 
of God, as it says in, in Ephesians 4. His word is a lamp into my feet. And here's what we want. We want the wisdom of heaven, not the wisdom of man. Amen? That's not a very good response. Do you want the wisdom of heaven or the wisdom of man? All right. I'm going to get in some agreement here, so that's good. When Jesus even taught us to pray, he says, pray like this. Lord, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why do we need to pray that? Have you ever thought of that? If, well, Jesus, you already did it, right? Well, why did Jesus tell us to pray that? Because we have a role to play in this. As he has broken down the walls, we follow him. And your influence, that's why he sent out the, the apostles two by two, is because this thing spreads through relationship. It spreads through hand-to-hand contact. One of the greatest things you can do in your own life is pray for your friends. And I don't just mean, Lord, I'll, uh, brother, I'll put you on a prayer list. I mean, do you know what impact happens when somebody's struggling? You say, hey, can I, can I pray with you about that? Do you know there's a godly seed in your prayer? It's not up to you to cure the problem. It's you to plant the seed of heaven. And heaven takes care of the problem. Amen? So if we remain in the darkness of our flesh, then God's word and our word doesn't line up. I don't know if many of you have been married or or are married, but I have a favorite story of about 21 years ago. My wife is a wonderful cook. And this all happened because of some tacos one time. Tacos. You like tacos? I like tacos. But it turns out when she said tacos, it wasn't the same as when I said tacos. She calls me one day. She said, babe, I've cooked dinner. It's it's on the table. Are you about to be home? I'm, I'm getting ready. It's hot. Like, oh, yeah, I hadn't had tacos in a long time. And so I can't say that I was walking in godly wisdom. I walked in the door and I said, I thought you said you were making tacos. What's this? Like I had my heart set on tacos. Forgive me, I was 18 years old, okay? <clears throat> I still sometimes slip into that. So, I, you know, have grace for me. But uh, I just see her face go, kind of go downtrodden. I made this for you. And I was like, well, that's good. I'm hungry. Let's have these burritos. And she's like, no, this is tacos. <laughs> no, that's burritos. There's beans. No, it's tacos. This is what my dad taught me was tacos. So just a, a funny story. But what my word was and her word was were two different things. I'm here to, to con- ask you to think about this today. Is your word and God's word two different things? If I say black dog, what do you see? Somebody shout out. What kind of dog do you see? A lab. Anybody see something other than a lab? A chihuahua. A black chihuahua. Really? Leave it to you to think of black chihuahua. But you know what? We need people to see black chihuahuas. 
She saw it too. Man, there is something in that sound booth. There's an anointing over the black chihuahuas. But (laughs) a Doberman. So we don't see D-O-G. We see a picture that we have history with. And the more time we spend in the Word of God, the more we see the true identity of His Word. Amen? Allow Jesus to paint the picture. It's out of humility that we begin to see the true painting of God. So how do we find true godly wisdom? It says that that when we ask God for his wisdom, we don't even know what we're asking for. There is a, uh, in psychology, there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. It basically is this. Most of the time that the people that are the least competent don't even know that they're not competent. And you and I suffer from this. Because the same thing that, the same knowledge that leads to success is the same knowledge that would tell you that you're not good at it. You know what I'm talking about. Turned on... This week we turned on a, a, a show, and I don't know if you've ever seen the show Hoarders. And, you know, people have all different kinds of struggles. Um, but one of the things you see is, is that the people suffering from these psychological issues, they have no idea that they're suffering from them. And people are trying to tell them, hey, do you see that it's not healthy or okay to live like this? Well, there's value in this stuff. But no, that there, this stuff is making you sick. But no, there, there's value in it. There's value in, in my thought here. But no, there, that, that is making you sick. I'm going to present to you today that the wisdom of man makes us sick. It makes us weak. But the wisdom of God, it pulls us out of that darkness. The wisdom of God can heal us from that the way that we overcome not even knowing what we're asking for is first off allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, but the skill to overcome is is humility and knowing that God does know it all. No matter what you think you know, there's more to know. And that's what this this Dunning-Kruger effect is basically that. The more that you know, the more you realize there's more out there to know. Amen? I love this one. If you are very, very stupid, is it okay that I say that in here? Do we have kids? If I'd offend you, I apologize. My vocabulary's not very big there. So if you are very, very stupid, how can you possibly realize that you are very, very stupid? You'd have to be relatively intelligent to realize how stupid you are. The Holy Spirit can make us intelligent. We have to trust the Holy Spirit to make us intelligent. Amen. And we don't have it on our own. We lack. Here's the thing. God's wisdom is counter to culture. The culture that we see outside Sometimes the culture that we see in church, God's wisdom is counter to that. 
It's because we're focused here. We're focused on ourselves instead of focused on him, instead of loving the people beside us, how Christ loved the church. And when we change that perspective, when we change what our agenda is, we talked about our agenda for wisdom last week. Is our agenda for wisdom just to build ourselves up so that we look smart? More so, is our agenda for wisdom that we're right? Because if that's your agenda, you've missed it completely. If our agenda is just to be right, then we've totally missed God's wisdom. Like we missed the basis of it. It's to bring the life of God, the light of God into this world. So what does God's wisdom look like? Any ideas? What does God's wisdom look like? Well, I think we can go to his word and and it, it should say something about that. What do you think? It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have, listen here, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. For this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. This comes out of James chapter 3. It says, For where there is jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. If our agenda for wisdom, if our agenda for living is self-focused instead of God-focused, I'm not saying you don't have value. Jesus died for you and I. We have an inherent value as sons of God. Like we are, he was the firstborn and we follow in step. But when we focus on ourselves, we're not acting like Jesus. We're not being transformed into his image. It's as we reach out and love others and trust the Father that we're conformed into his image. But here's the important part, because it never tells us what evil wisdom is without telling us what God's wisdom is. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and it's sincere. It sounds a whole lot, if you ask me, like the love of God. These are good things to write down. If you're taking notes, it's first pure, then it's peaceable. You know, when when it's peaceable, it's not demanding its own way. Remember what I said earlier about how the confidence of God is, like he knows he's God. He is the creator of the universe. There is no fear. You realize that God doesn't fear you. He doesn't fear our circumstances because he's already overcome the world. And he's made you and I more than conquerors because he overcame the world. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason. Does that sound like somebody that is demanding their right? Even if you are right, can you be open to wisdom? That's a, that's a sign, that's a fruit full of mercy and good fruits. You know how you get good fruits? Plant good trees, you spend time connected to the vine. He gives us the seed to plant. And if there's anything coming up in your life that you don't like, if you don't like corn, quit planting corn. 
ask God what, what he wants you to what he wants you to plan. And it says this. Let's just read this one more time. I love this so much. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you don't have peace in your life, sow peace. It's a, it's a form of wisdom to know what, what God's seeds are. The Holy Spirit gives you fruit, and what is contained in the fruit but seed. That's why there's no limit on love, on joy, on peace, on patience, on kindness, on goodness, on self-control. Because as you plant those things, instead of what we've been planting our whole lives, we begin to see this, this garden come up. Then we get to tend it. Then we get to share it. And it influences. It, it spreads. So pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. So, I know most of you here have been sick. Yet we talk about physical sickness. We talk about not knowing enough to even know that we don't know. I know I just said that that's a mess. I'm not sure how that came out, but but here's the thing. Most of us we want we want relief from the symptoms. I am in my spiritual walk. Can I just tell you, I'm not afraid of the symptoms. You know why? Symptoms point to the problem. The symptoms aren't the problem. The not knowing isn't the problem. The problem is not being connected to the Father. And if you've made Jesus your Lord, then you have access to the Father, but you're too busy. We are too busy focused on ourselves. So symptoms are not the problem. Symptoms point to the problem. The next time you're struggling with something, even if it's a bad thought, you know, being tempted is not, is not a sin, right? But even if you're, you're tempted with a bad thought, we know that, oh, maybe I haven't been connected to the Father. So it's, it's in that moment, those bad thoughts, we go, okay, what do we do? What do I do? What do I do? I don't, how do I get rid of this thought? How do I get rid of this, this symptom? You cast it down, but you know what? You just go to God, and you can begin to pray. You go, God, I know this isn't your will. You've said your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I'm on earth right now, and I need your help, Father. And all of a sudden, that joy comes back up. More often than not, and you know you, know you and I do this, we want relief from the symptoms instead of help with the problem. Well, we can go back just a couple of slides here. Was it pure? Was it peaceful? Was it gentle? Well, no, but do you know what they did? <laughs> Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Was it gentle? Well, they weren't very gentle. You know them, don't you? You've, you've met them. How do we respond as the body, as the, the, as the children of God? Hopefully gently. Well, they just think they're completely right about everything. Nobody can tell them anything. I want you to think about something. If you, like me, have ever said that, are you yourself being open to reason? 
Jesus, I just want you to come back because this world is getting so bad. You just need to come down and judge all these people here on earth. Full of mercy and good fruits. I think we, the church, have missed that a little bit. Maybe we need to be praying for mercy. Maybe we need to be exhibiting good fruits. The reason we get there is because hurt people hurt people. And when we haven't received God's healing, we're planting seeds of the flesh instead of seeds of the Father. He wants to heal you. The symptoms aren't the problem. The symptoms point to the problem. More often than not, we want relief from the symptoms instead of help with the problem. When you've received, when you when you have called, Pastor Landon, I need help. I don't know what's going on. And this call has been the call for for a year. I want to pray with you. I want to help you, but but you can hear God as well. You know, God does not punish his children with silence. We need to know how God speaks, though. Because I personally have never heard God audibly. I know people who have. I've never heard God audibly. He's spoken to me through his scriptures. He's spoken to me as I pray, just in, in internally. But how I know it's him is this. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. Does God correct his kids? Absolutely. He will correct us. He will say, daughters, do you know that you are pleasing to your father? Us dads can be so hard to please sometimes, at least from the perspective of a daughter. I've got four daughters in my home. And I think they hang the moon. I think they're the most brilliant, most gifted, most beautiful children to walk the face of the earth. But you know what? I do correct them because I know what's inside of them. I said, daughter, come here. You can do better than this. Is this really what you want to be doing when you could do this? I know what you were created for. I see the beauty and the giftedness in you. I want to challenge you fathers and mothers out there. Call that out of your daughters. Son, I see the gift of God in your life. Let's call that out. I don't care where you're at right now in your spiritual walk. There is somebody that's following. There's somebody in your realm of influence that you can call out and call up. Not with the, well, you dummy, you should have known better. Some of us have been raised like that, and that's not God's wisdom. It's not pure. It's not peaceable. It's not gentle. It's not open to reason. It's not full of mercy. It's not full of good fruits. But he does call us up and say, that is below you. Come up here. Amen? All right. <clears throat> I want you to be encouraged and knit together. Be strong by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they may understand God's mysterious plan in which Christ himself, in him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. 
I've misplaced my reference. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Allow your roots, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't allow anyone to capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. We don't just fight a battle against our own flesh. That is our number one enemy because the devil and his minions have been defeated. But how does he attack us? The brother of Christ wrote in James that that he attacks us with our own lusts, our own desires. Fiery darts, their thoughts. So when we're listening to God, here's what I want you to hear. Three voices in your in your mind. There's your voice. Sometimes there's the enemy's voice, his fiery darts, but there's God's voice. Is it pure? Is it peaceable? We can go throughout Scripture and, re- and duplicate that over and over and over again. God's word is always pure. It's always peaceable. It's always full of mercy. Amen. We need to hear and study the truth, not the counterfeit. I've heard this over and over again. Do you know how they teach bankers to identify counterfeit bills? They show them real bills over and over and over and over and over and over. Because there comes a point when you are so intimately connected to what is real, you see the counterfeit like that. The counterfeit has, you don't need to study the counterfeit. I mean, if you want to, fine. How, how, how are they doing it? How is the enemy counterfeiting? How is he deceiving you? I don't really give a whole lot of, of emphasis in my life towards the enemy. If Jesus defeated him, it's good enough for me. I just know that I want to study how God speaks. What does God's wisdom say? I mean, the enemy's like, man, he's going to find every every crack, every crevice that he can try to distort. Do you realize that the enemy has, has never created anything? I always, always think it's funny that we give the enemy so much credit. We almost worship him and his power. No, he's defeated. All he can do is, is pervert to distort what the creator created. Once we get past that distortion, and we begin to see the truth, we can see the counterfeit. It says this, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. There's a rest that comes from trusting God. It doesn't mean that we don't have issues. It doesn't mean that you you that we don't find ourselves fighting sickness. Last week I left church, went home, 
and got incredibly sick. I like, it's like the flu just punched me in the nose. And instead of, of going, uh, I, and I was, I was struggling. You can ask my family. They were around me. They said, you look terrible. How did you go from that to that so quickly? I don't know. But I know I have a promise from God that he will heal, that he's the healer. And I started thinking, you know, what are the testimonies that, that I have in the past? And God reminds me, you know, yeah, you may fight this, but you're always over it, like, almost immediately. I'm like, yeah. So I start calling my kids and my mother-in-law and say, hey, come lay hands on me. I mean, forgive me, my mother-in-law laid hands on my forehead, and she's kind of like, ooh, you're clammy. But within minutes, the fever broke. By the next day, I was feeling better. A few days later, I had to fight it again. But you know what? What are God's testimonies? I may be sick at the moment, but I am healed in the name of Jesus. I may be walking out something in my flesh, but I am completely healed by Him. What are His testimonies? Proverbs 3, 1 through 8 says this, My son, don't forget my teaching, but, bet, but let your heart keep my commandments. How do we do that? It's as simple as, God, take my heart and give me the desires of your heart. It says, for the length of days and years of life and peace, will, they will add to you. Did you know that, okay, so there's this theory that goes around that, that we have this day, that God assigned a day that you're going to die. I'm telling you, God knows the day that you're going to die, but he partners with us in this. It says if you honor your father and mother, you will have a long life. It says if you don't forget his teaching and his precepts and keep them in your, in your, your heart, that length of days will, will be added to your life and peace will add to you. Trusting God has an effect on your present life. Amen? Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. If you're struggling with sickness, if you're struggling with lack, if you're struggling in your finances, the steadfast love of God is this. We talked about it. Pastor Jacob shared a month or so ago on the steadfast love of God. Imagine that man whose wife, who they've been married for 70 years, his wife is struggling with dementia, and suddenly she doesn't even know him anymore. But he still takes food to her. He still cares for her. He still brushes her hair. He still loves her with nothing in return. That's the steadfast love of God. That's the agape love of God. It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. So when we struggle with these things, we wrap them around our neck. We say, I will stand. I will stand on your word, God. Verse 4 says, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own lies. Fear the Lord 
turn away from evil. They did a study on that on that Duncan Kruger effect that I told you about in in school. It said that the least competent in in the the school assembly, when polled, considered themselves the most competent. I'm telling you that's a psychological term that was come up with, but it follows the word of God. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. There's a humility that comes when we say, your wisdom, not mine, God. And he will make straight your paths. Did it say that you will make your path straight? I stumped a few of you, didn't I? No, it says he will make straight your paths. If he's a light to your feet, who knows the future? Do you? I know I have a victory in Jesus, but I don't even know what it looks like. I know there's a new heaven and a new earth coming, but I don't even know how that comes to be. But I know if I acknowledge him, he will make straight my path. Let not be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. If we quit fearing the Lord and loving God, we will begin to fear everything else and love ourselves. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I think there's some people out there today that need some refreshing in their bones, some refreshing in their souls. We need to acknowledge the ways of the Lord. We need to plant them like seeds. Is it pure? Is it peaceable? Because we are so aware of what we don't know, we must continually renew our minds with God's word. It says, daily I take my cro- take up my cross. Isn't that what Paul wrote? Daily I take up my cross. What you see, what you know with your carnal mind versus what God says. Because guess what? Whatever you've been through, you're here today. Can anybody say that God has taken them through something this very, very difficult? Man, I thought there'd be more of us than that. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you didn't hear me. Can any of you say that God has taken you through a place that was very difficult? Amen. We need understanding. We need to seek understanding, or we become even more blind. The more we focus on self, the more we focus on our circumstances, the more we can't see the answer. The more we focus on the symptom, the further away from the true problem we actually get. <laughs> Went to the doctor this week and he was he was talking about a medication. And he said, well, it may help with the symptom. But he said in the end it would just kill you because it doesn't fix the problem. I appreciate a doctor that will actually tell me that. That was pretty cool. But We can address the symptom or we can address our hearts that aren't walking in the Spirit. Let me read one more verse for you before we close. It's Proverbs 4, 7 through 13. It says, Wisdom is the most valuable commodity, so buy it. Revelation is what you need, so invest in it. 
Wisdom will exalt you when you exalt her truth. She will lead you to honor and favor when you live your life by her insights. You know why you need honor and favor in your life? Because this world, daily, people die without knowing Jesus. And they really, really need a true, living encounter with Jesus. And you and I get to be that. Amen? So don't don't negate the honor that God gives you. Don't push down when He lifts you up. I've tried that for many years. Encounter God and allow Him to lift you up. Follow His wisdom. Not only will your life be transformed, but the life of your family will be transformed. The life of your city will be transformed. The life of your county will be transformed. It it stops nowhere. Because the more we follow Jesus, the more His supernatural power walks through us. It says, you will be anointed with beauty, with grace. And wisdom's glory will wrap itself around you, making you victorious in the race. My son, if you will take the time to stop and listen to me and embrace what I say, you will live a long and happy life, full of understanding in every way. I have taken you by the hand in wisdom's ways, pointing you to the path of integrity. Your process will have no limits when you come along with me. And you will never stumble as you walk along the way. So receive my correction no matter how hard it is to swallow, for wisdom will snap you back into place, for her words will be invigorating to you. Amen. Isn't that good? All right. As the prayer teams come, let me pray over you. Father, I just thank you for your wisdom. I thank you that your grace is enough. Lord, I pray that you continue to show us, reveal to us what your wisdom looks like. Anything that's man's wisdom, I just ask that you pluck it out because we don't want to correct us. We want your correction no matter how hard it is to swallow. We believe that you will snap us back into place. In Jesus' name, amen.